Hi guys, welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Pop That Mama and in this episode we're going to be talking about pregnancy mental health and how to cope with anxiety. Enjoy listening. Thanks for tuning into the podcast, everyone. I hope you guys are keeping well. So this episode has been created in response to some of the messages that I have been receiving on Instagram. And uh, it's on the topic of mental health and pregnancy anxiety. And we're actually going to be playing those messages for you uh, a bit later in the podcast. But I really wanted to get an expert on to discuss this topic. And so I'm very pleased to say that we have Sarah Fernandez from Only Human Therapy with us here today, which is very exciting. So let's just dive straight in and how about Sarah over to you to introduce yourself thank you um it's lovely to be introduced as an expert as well <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah thank you for having me here so I'm I'm Sarah Fernandez from Only Human and um I'm a mum of course so don't let me forget to mention that mm-hmm. I am a mum to one five-year-old well, nearly five-year-old girl, and I am also pregnant with my second at the moment. I started my sort of psychotherapy and mental health journey about four, similar time to when I had my daughter, so four to five years ago. I trained as a holistic psychotherapist, and then I had a personal experience with postnatal depression and postpartum psychosis with bits of anxiety and OCD unfortunately as well so that really gave me um definitely gave me an insight but also gave me a huge calling and passion to to work specifically with mums so now the work that I do rather than um helping lots of people is I'm I'm specific to working with pregnant mums and new mums and actually mums at other stages in their journey as well because it you know, there are all sorts of times in that journey that we need support um, in our motherhood journey and things are always changing. There's new challenges and therefore new support that needs to be put in place. So that's a very brief kind of overview of, you know, who I am and, and what I do and who I work with, really. Amazing. Thank you so much. So let's just uh, start on the topic of mental health. So Could you maybe talk us uh, through how anxiety might manifest itself uh, during pregnancy and maybe some of the common causes? Yeah, absolutely. And it's really it's really great that you've started off with this one because it is one of the most common, you know, in terms of perinatal or maternal mental health issues. Anxiety is the one that comes up the most. Um, So I'll talk first a bit about how it might manifest and this is going to be really unique as well and different to to different people. Um, so don't kind of, um, you know, you might resonate with certain things, but not others. Just kind of have a listen and then take it with a pinch of salt, really. So it can, it's something that can either creep up sort of slowly or it can just hit you really, really suddenly. So that's that's a good thing to bear in mind as well, that it doesn't necessarily, it's not one or the other, it can be both of those things Um, and a lot of pregnant women might recognize the physical symptoms more than the emotional or mental and the reason for this is because we're obviously going through so many physical changes that we can see and we can feel so we are generally more in tune with our bodies during pregnancy therefore you might experience some of those physical symptoms of anxiety like headaches um, palpitations feeling tight-chested, um, a lot of people have trouble sleeping when they are anxious and just generally quite tense. Some people can have stomach issues or appetite problems. So those are just some of the physical manifestations. Uh, racing thoughts is a big, big sort of indicator really for anxiety. So moving on to some of the more emotional or maybe subtle ones, things like difficulty concentrating, Um, excessive rumination and worry that's something that I have been very guilty of in the past it can be it can be really hard to identify some of these because again we we might just especially if we're pregnant we might put it down to hormones or being just the fact that we are pregnant and we're in this this new situation 
And it's also very difficult to identify in the early stages the difference between anxiety and matrescence, which is something that you've spoken about on this podcast, because a lot of those things are actually just part of matrescence, which we might cover later on. Mm. Um, but just to, to talk a bit about, you know, when when should you do something really is if it's affecting your day-to-day life or you feel out of control or overwhelmed, then it's time to look for some some support or some ways to manage it. So some of the common causes then of anxiety during pregnancy are the fact that you're pregnant. That's number one. You know, whether it's your first or not, you know, it's still, it's a huge, huge change to come to terms with and to go through. And stressful life events as well during pregnancy can, uh, can cause anxiety. So things like moving house, any relationship changes, uh, deaths in the family, any just, you know, really big stressful events. Matrescence, as I mentioned, that can be another cause because that can be linked to our, the changes in our brain and our hormones. And any, you know, if you've had any previous trauma or bad experiences, those might come up again during pregnancy because you're in a bit more of a vulnerable position. So you might actually be experiencing anxiety from something that's happened in the past rather than from what's happening right now. So that's really a sort of an interesting factor to consider. And then finally, the last one that I wanted to mention was just about expectations. So whether it's placing high expectations on ourselves or other people, so such as family, partner, placing certain expectations on us, um, and the expectation of our culture, our, mm. the media, and all of those things can create anxiety for us. Yeah, gosh. And it's just that moment where you find out that you're pregnant, whether it's the faint line or the, you know, the big pregnant on the digital test. It's literally your whole world changes. And it's just the world of unknowns. Like in that moment, you can't control so many things that are about to happen. You know, your pregnancy, you don't know how that's going to go, your birth. You don't know what kind of child that you're going to bring into this world, what kind of personality they're going to have. It's literally the the kind of catalyst for anxiety is is the unknown, isn't it? I mean, that was definitely my, my thing. It's just the world of the unknown. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And human beings are just not very well programmed to deal with the unknown or change you know we like to know what's going to happen and we like to have a plan (laughs) definitely and I was actually just walking in the woods earlier with uh, Juniper and it was beautiful evening sun streaming through the kind of trees and really lovely and I was thinking about tonight and what we were going to speak about and started to reflect on my own pregnancy and how I kind of approached the the unknown Um, and I definitely got into the zone rather than feeling as though you know letting it cripple me I I thought okay this this anxiety and this unknown is actually just going to be part of this pregnancy and 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 birth and motherhood actually more so than ever and it's almost as though if you can try to accept it and embrace it early on as kind of part of the human experience and if you can get into the zone of really just embracing it and thinking actually this is this feeling is part of me and I think in our culture we we shun those feelings of anxiety and anger and they're part of us and if we maybe if we accept them early on then later down the line they won't build and cripple us to the point where we need to seek help or or take drugs you know Um, absolutely that's definitely something that I thought about as well when I was preparing for this for this podcast as well actually and the words that came to me were surrendering you know about surrendering to the process and very similar thoughts really that I'm sure we will get on to cover. Gosh so uh, yeah let's just go to the listener questions let's hear it directly for them so I'm gonna I'm gonna play one of them now for you. Hello my name is Stephanie and I'm 34 weeks pregnant with my third child. My question is around dealing with anxiety and in particular intrusive thoughts. In my previous two pregnancies I didn't really suffer from anxiety that I think is beyond normal or manageable but this time around from as soon as I found out I was pregnant I have been convinced that I'm going to lose the baby um even when the baby is kicking I my brain tells me that actually he or she is in distress 
And then obviously when the baby is not kicking, I've convinced myself that he or she has passed away. And it's getting to the point where some days it's, it is literally all I can think about. And all I do is go to the freezer for ice lollies and lie on my left side to try to get baby kicking. Um, but that doesn't actually alleviate the anxiety. So um, I would love to know if there are any strategies to help deal with this anxiety overall, but in particular, the intrusive thoughts um, in the moment, which can sort of panic me and send me into a bit of a um, spiral to the point where I can't do or think of anything else. Thank you. Okay. Well, firstly, like my heart goes out to Stephanie. I want to, I want to send her a big hug because I know how horrid um, intrusive thoughts and that sort of, you know, constant fear feels. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can relate in a way, but mine was postnatally rather than during pregnancy. But I definitely have some sort of questions for her to be thinking about, really, and some and some tips. Mm-hmm. So it sounds to me. Um, like Stephanie is sort of stuck in her emotional brain a bit, or what I like to call it is being emotionally hijacked because it's not just us being in our emotional brain. It's that, you know, the emotion has actually taken over our brain, which stops us from being able to think rationally. So one of the best things that she can do is to try to do things that are going to help her to relax and calm herself down so I will talk about those but I just wanted to kind of um, stress really something that I talk about with all my clients which is about emotional needs and quite often when we're feeling anxiety it's due to some sort of need being unmet so it might be worth her thinking about you know what's different this time to in her previous pregnancies Mm -hmm. obviously there's one huge factor which is that we're going through global pandemic that's obviously different but perhaps just consider your own emotional needs or even your basic physical needs what's what's different about about this one that might be causing that anxiety because if you can find out yourself what might be triggering that Mm. then that will help you understand it a little bit better Um, and also to think about how you've previously managed any anxiety even if it is low level anxiety in the past what what's the stuff that's kind of got you through or the things that have lifted you in the past because those are your resources Mm. and it's really important to draw on those in times like this when we're feeling weaker and we sometimes forget that we've actually got some amazing resources already Mm. and so have a think about what what yours might be and also I would you know this might be some something that Stephanie's already looked at but what's sleeping like? Does she have a good sleep hygiene routine? Is it affecting her sleep? And do you drink a lot of caffeine, Stephanie? That's the yes. question I wanted to ask you because Gosh. it's so, so, um, so prominent when it comes to anxiety is the amount of caffeine that we are having. Obviously, during pregnancy, it's not great to have it anyway. But if you can decrease that even more or mm-hmm. just rule it out completely you're going to be lowering your chances of, of anxiety. And um, I would just, I would suggest doing some sort of distraction techniques. So try out a few that work for you. And it really doesn't matter what they are as long as they they work for you. So when you're feeling that kind of sense of that it's all you can think about, that's the time that you need to distract yourself and go and do something else, even if it feels like a chore. And I also feel that affirmations are going to be really helpful to counteract the fear of Stephanie. So what our fears tell us, you know, our fears are often trying to tell us something. And if we actually write them down, listen to them, we can create a positive action out of that fear. So if the fear is that your baby is, you know, is is dying, for instance, then have a little think about what's the you know how can you flip that fear and turn it into an affirmation so you want the affirmation to be the opposite obviously of the fear but you also want it to be in the present tense so maybe create some of your own affirmations to say regularly and trust the fact that you have I say you I'm addressing Stephanie here Mm -hmm. trust the fact that you have successfully grown and birthed two babies already yeah you know that for a fact and there's no reason why this should be any different Wow. Oh, that was amazing. I love the affirmations part 
Um, Stephanie, if you if you do do that, let us know. That's that's brilliant. Um, so we'll move on to the next question. I'll just play it now. Hi, my name's Teresa. Um, I am currently on the verge of being thirty two weeks pregnant this coming Sunday. Um, I live in Australia, and yeah, I guess um, my main question is: I've been quite calm and stuff throughout my pregnancy my main question would be um about postnatal depression and what are the signs to look out for and um yeah what are the concerns and stuff that other women have gone through and how do you cope with a newborn plus knowing um how to deal with any signs of depression thank you okay well i think that you know this being my sort of expert subject if you like because this is what um I suffered from it's you know I've got a lot to say to Teresa but I'd be really intrigued to know if it's her first child or not um yes so I don't I'm, know, but I'm really intrigued it, it, it is yes it is okay and also um if there's any sort of uh, potential risk for her getting postnatal depression because um, if she's not had any previous mental health problems, then her risk is actually quite low. So hopefully she's in that category. But if if there is a, you know, a risk there through previous illness or family illness, then um, I'd love her to talk to me. So some of the some of the signs, the sort of initial signs that we want to look out for um, is just a lot of them are very similar to depression in a non postnatal person if that makes sense so things like prolonged sadness and really low mood usually it does come with anxiety but not always but quite often people with suffering with postnatal depression also have anxiety Mm. and one thing to mention before I delve into those symptoms a bit more is that it can happen at any time within the first 12 months after having your baby. So so a lot of people think that they're kind of past that sort of danger zone, if you like, after the fourth trimester um, or after baby blues, but actually it can happen any time up to 12 months. So it's really, it's really great to be aware of those symptoms um, and especially for your family and your partner to be aware of them as well. So after the initial baby blues that, most of us unfortunately get (laughs) if if those feelings of sort of sadness and low mood continue after two to three weeks it could possibly be depression but again may not necessarily be so some of the things that you know I've listed actually the things that I personally suffered with because those are the ones that I can relate to so there's a mixture of physical and um, emotional symptoms here irritability difficulty sleeping, trouble bonding with my baby, uh, change in eating habits, so either eating more or less and not wanting to do anything for myself, so not wanting to shower or get dressed, those sorts of things. Feeling a disconnect with the world, uh, not being able to find joy or pleasure in anything. If it's a particularly severe case of depression, it could be suicidal thoughts and self-harm as well. Most people experience a lack of energy, confusion, have trouble concentrating. So some of those are similar to anxiety. And some people have intrusive thoughts that come with, with the depression as well. So, you know, somebody might have only one or two of these symptoms, but they might have all of them, or they might have different ones too. So these are just based on, on my experience of it really. And again, like with the anxiety, it can be a gradual onset or it can be sudden, but it's more common that it's gradual. So to just cover some of the coping sort of strategies, because I think this is the most important, well, it's as important really as knowing about it. I think speaking out about how you feel early on is probably the most beneficial thing that you can do, because if you don't tell anybody, then it's very difficult to get better on your own without any support. It's not impossible, but it's it's just going to make that recovery process longer. So teaching your partner and family about it is really key because they can look out for symptoms as well as you. And we touched on this, Poppy, but accepting it 
um, not just accepting that you're going through it, but accepting that it's not your fault because this isn't you as a person. This isn't the mother that you're going to be for the rest of your life. This is just, you know, you in the middle of an illness and you will recover from that, but you need help, you need support and you need to recover and do things at your own pace. So some are, just to mention a couple of the things that helped me were having my family around me, you know, be, being able to be completely open with them and them understanding the illness was really, really helpful. Making sure that I got outside as much as possible. You know, the usual kind of mindfulness techniques such as breathing, meditation, all of those really, really helped me. But also making sure that I had some, some headspace for myself to think about who I was. Because quite often when you're going through postnatal depression, you can feel lost and like you don't know who this person is. You don't, you know who you used to be before you became a mother, but you're not sure who you are now. And that takes time to process. So that was another thing that really helped me was just finding out what my purpose was apart from being a mother, because that doesn't have to be your only purpose. Gosh. Thank you. That was really useful. God, I'm learning loads in this. Um, yeah, and it's it's definitely more common than what we think, isn't it? The postnatal depression. Unfortunately. Yeah. And then there's that that kind of overlap with matrescence. You know, do I have matrescence or am I do I have postnatal depression as well? Because there's all those confusing emotions that come up with with becoming a mother. And sometimes maybe we we think that we're depressed, but actually we're just experiencing this huge shift. But we'll come on yeah. to talk a bit more about matrescence shortly. So just moving on to the third and final question. Hi, I'm Millie and I'm eight weeks pregnant. My question is about struggling to emotionally connect to my pregnancy following two previous miscarriages. I had one at five weeks and a missed miscarriage at 11 weeks, which happened last October. I'm feeling all the normal physical pregnancy symptoms and I've actually had two scans so far, one at five weeks and one at seven weeks, which confirmed the heartbeat. However, emotionally, I just don't feel pregnant at all, which I'm really struggling with. My last pregnancy, I very much felt emotionally connected. I felt a huge sense of warmth, connection, protectiveness, and just generally felt like there was always two of us together, which unfortunately I'm not experiencing this time around. I know pregnancy is an important time for bonding and preparing for motherhood. And I just feel anxious that if this connection doesn't develop and grow, it will affect my ability to completely connect with my body, prepare for birth and beyond. So my question is, is do you have any advice on how to build a connection and a bond, especially after experiencing pregnancy loss? Thank you, Millie. Um, you know, I just wanted to say thank you for sharing about the miscarriages as well. That's very brave. And I'm sorry to hear about those. I think what what could be happening here is something called pattern matching, which is um, it's you know, this was a revelation to me once when I learned about it during my training. But a pattern match is something that our brain does um, when something we've been through something before our brain remembers all of the patterns. So all of the emotions of that thing. And then every time we're in a similar situation or something reminds us of that thing, all of those emotions are experienced again in the here and now as if they were happening. So pattern matches can actually be positive or negative. If you think about um, everyone has like a song that, you know, a really great song that can take them back to an amazing, happy memory. That's an example of a pattern match in our brain and we can probably all think of a negative one as well where maybe we see something and it reminds us of a bad experience and it takes us straight back to that place so what could be happening here for Millie is that her brain is pattern matching to losing those two previous babies and so those feelings are kind of you know are surfacing as if they are happening now when actually it's um it could be to do with with the previous miscarriages so that's just one thing to consider. And I could, you know, I can talk for 
hours on pattern matching so I, I literally have to I have to stop myself because it is a really complex subject to explain but I hope that kind of gives you the gist of it also I just wanted to say that it is you know it is still very early days eight weeks is um you know I I'm 27 weeks pregnant now and I have only just in the last week started to bond with my bump because well, I don't know why it is actually. I just didn't feel I didn't feel any connection with it. And so I can relate to that and certainly haven't haven't felt it until very recently. So please don't think that that means the rest of your pregnancy is going to be that way or that it means there is a problem. It could be purely this this brain pattern match, but it could also be your brain's way of protecting you from what happened last time so that you're not. You know what? We do strange things when we've been through trauma and sometimes the body can can shut down certain things or it can you know it might actually be trying to protect you stop you sorry from bonding with your baby because it doesn't want you to get hurt again Mm. so it could be a number of sort of defense mechanisms going on here but I think what what would really help is starting to retrain your brain so understanding or being able to notice perhaps when you might be pattern matching and kind of say okay this is what's happening right now and um, I know that this is what happened last time but that was then and this is now and this is different and another way you can retrain your brain is through affirmations which I mentioned earlier sometimes they can seem like you know seem a bit fake and a bit monotonous but they do really really work in terms of retraining that brain and I'd also wanted to say some things that have helped me to connect with my baby especially considering I had I had bonding issues with my daughter is that um singing to her or to my bump has been really really helpful and something I was asked to do recently I've been attending a pregnancy circle which is lovely and she sets us tasks every time so one of them was to create a song for our baby and I thought I don't know where to start with that but actually once I got into it it was really, really great. And that's one of the things that's helped to connect. And the other one was to write a letter to your baby. So nobody ever has to see it. You never have to read it to them. This is this is an exercise for you. And it can be, um, it could be saying thank you for certain things. It could be apologizing for certain things. It could include your desires, your fears, your love for them, especially if you're not feeling that love at the moment, you could write it in the present tense. So that's just another another idea for Millie to hopefully help her connect a bit more to that bump. Oh, I absolutely love that. That's really special. Um, yeah, I was just thinking back to my pregnancy. And one of the things I think is maybe a benefit to not bonding, you know, with them in utero is that you don't have the time to build a kind of mental image of who they are or what it's going to be like and it's more you don't have any expectations and there there could be I guess something nice that comes out of that just trying to spin it and look at look at it from a different angle that you don't have time to you know that whole expectation versus reality just trying to look at the another kind of positive gosh okay brilliant well those are the listener questions um Shall we move on and just talk a bit about matrescence? So I covered this topic in the Birth of Mother uh, podcast, but very lightly. Um, I'm still kind of reading about it and I find it very fascinating. I think every woman should know about it. But happy for you to just kind of unpack the the concept of matrescence. Yeah, I mean, I think you've done a great job as well in your podcast of kind of introducing the topic and and explaining what it is to people who don't who don't know and it's really interesting that so many people still don't know. Um, and I've spoken to a lot of health professionals, including midwives and health visitors who don't know what matrescence is, which kind of baffles me really. But I only learned about it after I'd had my first child. So it's basically in a nutshell, it's like adolescence. So it's the phase or a stage that you go through when you become a mother it's the process of becoming mum so for some people that if they are becoming a mum naturally that starts preconception and it you know it goes on through pregnancy and 
postnatally and we actually don't really know when it ends <laughs> if it ever ends because um you know potentially you go through matrescence again when you have a second child and and so on so we actually don't have enough research about it to suggest when it ends but it is a fact a scientific fact that it's something that happens to everyone as they as they become a mother but it can also happen if you adopt a child or you you know foster a child you still go through a process of becoming a mother so you still have some of those neurological changes and just like when we're going through adolescence it's a stage where you can feel really lost and really confused and really vulnerable because of all these not just physical changes but chemical neurological changes going on in your brain as well and our the physical shape of our brain actually changes during matrescence which I find fascinating so there's a there's a time in pregnancy where your brain actually shrinks and it's it's creating you know more of these creases more folds so it's creating more pathways but your brain actually shrinks and then you know I'm sure that anyone listening who's who is pregnant or who's had a baby previously you'll be able to relate to the term baby brain or mummy brain (laughs) and actually you know it it is a real thing Mm. and it's going to happen to you whether you wanted to or not it's it's not something that's in our control but what we can do is is control the way that we manage that and and you're not you know I just want to stress to people that you're not going mad you're not like imagining some of these changes they are actually happening and it's something that it's just a subject that I wish more mums were talking about especially during pregnancy I wish it was part of like every antenatal training absolutely yeah I was reading that so many women get misdiagnosed you know um who is it? Alexandra Sachs. She said, you know, people would come to her clinic and say, you know, I've, I've had the baby and I'm feeling really low and I think I've got postnatal depression. And actually, you know, once she's coaching them, she's realizing, no, this is just matrescence, but they don't know about it. And it's so confusing. You know, I, I think I came across matrescence when I was Googling how I was feeling and I was kind of Googling my symptoms and then coming across matrescence basically so yeah it's very That's great that you found out about it during pregnancy though I think it was after I'd suffered with postnatal depression that I learned about it and I thought why are, oh. why are they teaching us all about this during pregnancy and why don't midwives talk about it and um, because like you say it is so often misdiagnosed mm-hmm. and there might be lots of people that have been put on medication and stuff who don't need to be because they're just going through matrescence I just hope that, you know, the more people like us talk about it, the more it starts to filter through into into society, really, because it is a relatively new term. Yeah, under-researched. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be wonderful to see it in antenatal classes. Wow, that would be a big step forward. Yeah. Um, so this is great. I'm loving this. So uh, how about we talk about, because yeah we touched on the kind of unknowns of pregnancy and obviously we're in a global pandemic which is just making everything so much more stressful but how would you advise women navigate the unknowns during pregnancy I think this is a great question and and I we've kind of um we may have touched on some of these things that I'm going to say but just bear with me because I think that sometimes we need to hear it twice <laughs> so, definitely yes um, I agree with that the first word, <laughs> yeah the first word that I've written down is surrender surrendering mm. to the process and something that you mentioned Poppy about accepting you know accepting that things are going to change and will change mm. and actually living through this last year has been a really great exercise practice for us in doing that Mm. in like being able to let go a bit and accept you know accept that some things are not in our control and actually it's okay to not be in control of everything and we can survive we can adapt and we can deal with it and another thing we've already touched on that is hugely important in managing yourself is is expectations again Mm. definitely lowering your own expectations or at least trying to give yourself some realistic ones Mm -hmm. So if you don't feel like having low expectations, 
just think about some real ones. Mm -hmm. And if you're not sure what that looks like, then talk to other people who have been through it already. Listen to other people that have been through it already. Be kind and compassionate with yourself Mm -hmm. um, so that you can take that pressure off because it can feel like a burden Mm -hmm. if you're just kind of, you know, just navigating through this unknown on your own. Yeah. So please try to take one day at a time, you know, even on hard days, then one hour at a time, not think too far ahead. And again, I think this year has been a really good practice for us in that. Mm. It's not been easy, but it's taught us a lot. And um, one of the sort of main lessons that I have taken from becoming a mum is prepare for the unexpected. Yes. So you just don't know what's going to happen. And I was like super control freak, perfectionist before. And that still, (laughs) you know, that still shows up in different ways. But I have to, you have to soften and you have to let go because you're just going to, yeah, you're just going to kind of work yourself up into a non-sustainable state if you don't do that. Absolutely. And I also think just, you know, every day you wake up and you have a choice about where you invest your energy and actually investing your energy in things that you can't control. Thinking about things in the future that you can't control is, you know, just exactly what you're going to do. You said like wear you down. So what what can you focus your time and energy on, your precious time and energy on that's going to enrich your life? and focus in on that rather than the future and your future anxieties. I think that's also another thing, exactly what you say, one hour, one hour at a time. Yeah. And bringing in emotional needs into that as well. So like focusing your energy instead on those needs that are in your control Mm. that you can help to get your own needs met rather than the ones that we can't. Absolutely. And what else have I got on my little list? So I think we've kind of covered that one. Yeah. Do you want me to mention the emotional needs metaphor about the the plant or not? Please do, please do. I love that video on your Instagram. Yes, please okay. do. So I I've like touched on emotional needs very briefly in this in this podcast, but I realized that I've not really explained what what they are. Um and it is the foundation of everything I do, to be honest as a person, as a mother and as a therapist. So emotional needs are things that, I'll talk first about physical needs because they're easier to explain. Our physical needs are the things that, the basic needs that we need to survive. So things like shelter, food, water, we need sleep, we need movement. And when we have a baby, it has the same basic needs as us. But what we tend to forget about are our emotional needs. And I love the metaphor of a plant, using a plant to explain these emotional needs. Because if you just if you just focus on um, certain needs and not the whole kind of picture, the whole holistic package, that plant isn't going to survive. So think about the plant's emotional needs are that it needs sunlight it needs water, it needs nutrition, it needs to be cared for, it needs certain soil. Those are all part of that plant's needs. And if it doesn't get those needs, the plant is not going to survive, it's not going to thrive. Whereas if it gets all of those needs from its environment, then it will thrive and it will look like a healthy plant. And you as a person, as a human being are no different. So we have to focus on our needs as well so just some examples of emotional needs are um, control the need for control and autonomy in our lives we need security we need emotional connection we need community we need a sense of status we need a sense of achievement and competence meaning and purpose those are some of our emotional needs so you can see how they will fit in to lots of different things that we've been speaking about and if a person is not getting all of their needs met in balance then they are going to suffer from stress from depression from anxiety from 
you know, even if it's just mild symptoms from time to time. And if a person has none of their emotional needs met, then they're definitely going to suffer from mental health problems. So the way to keep yourself well is to learn about your emotional needs and focus on getting those met, the ones that you're in control of. And that's really key because if you, you know, like we were talking about, if you put your energy into the ones that you can't control, then that's taking energy away from the ones that you could get met if you invested energy in them. So it's as important to look after our physical needs as it is our emotional. I hope that makes sense. Definitely makes sense. I love that. And if anyone wants to watch the video, head over to Sarah's Instagram. Um, I loved watching that. That's amazing. Thank you. Uh, So before we kind of move on to talk about your courses that you run, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on re mental health or anxiety? I think I just I really wanted to share some sort of top tips or coping strategies for anxiety and depression, really, because a lot of um, certainly the people who sent in the questions will will benefit from this. But a lot of listeners will um, and everyone's got their own things that work for them which is great so I always urge people to to try out loads of things and just take you know take what you need take what works for you and if something doesn't resonate with you then don't don't use it (laughs) so as I've just mentioned talking about emotional needs that's actually one of my coping strategies is to focus on one emotional need at a time so not try to fix everything, but if I feel like, okay, my sense of control is lacking at the moment, then think of something that I can do to help get that need met in a positive way. Breathing techniques have been amazing for me and for my clients and continue to be. So the one that we work with the most is called 7 breathing, where you breathe in for seven and out for 11. It's amazing. I use it in all sorts of situations. Having a creative outlet is can be really helpful and people tend to be a bit hesitant to do this sometimes because they just think oh I'm not creative you don't have to be creative to do a creative activity so things like coloring in for me is a really good one it could just be singing or dancing around around your kitchen nobody has to know what you're up to but that's a creative outlet writing as well um, is another really therapeutic way to be creative accepting and acknowledging what um you know what's going on around you so actually I wanted to share a acronym called aware that's really really helpful for coping with anxiety so the a the first a stands for accept so accept the anxiety or the thing that's causing the anxiety then you wait and you watch it so you notice like is it going up is it going down what's what's present then you act so do something about it I'd say that's the most important part of this process is that you actually act and do something about it because that is when you can beat anxiety if you don't act you let it carry on and you let it escalate it will get worse but if you act you're stopping it in its tracks that's one of the best things to do and then the next stage is repeat other processes if you need to so accept wait and watch act and then finally expect the best outcome so I will finish on that one because um I've said a lot you know for you to take in to remember yeah I've just written that down and it fits with aware brilliant yeah I'm gonna have a look on google to see if I can find a visual to share on that because it's it's really useful to have up your sleeve yeah, I think there's some good infographics with it on. Um, definitely worth sharing. I find it does help with depression as well, but most mm. it's most effective with anxiety. Amazing. And just your point about having a creative outlet, that really resonates for me, you know, particularly as a new mum, when most of your time is looking after a baby, caregiving, you know, changing nappies, feeding and doing it around the clock. And you just kind of lose yourself in this whole experience of motherhood, which is incredible. But then you kind of take yourself out of it and you're like, bloody hell, who the hell am I again? You look in the mirror and you, you know, milk sickle down you and it's just like, whoa, okay, I need to, I need to find something that is for me now and tune into that. And 
just doing this podcast for me has made me a better mum, a better wife. I, I actually feel inspired daily, like I'm sure you do, because I watch your videos and I see the same passion that I feel for, for this topic of helping other women. And I think particularly in that early stage of motherhood, you, you just need to find out what's your creative outlet going to be? What's going to help you through? Because otherwise, yeah, the danger is that you completely lose yourself. Yeah. And it's really important to be to use your imagination as well in a positive way. And that's another thing that creativity does for us, because anxiety is essentially a misuse of our imagination. I always say to clients when they come to me with anxiety, you must have a really good imagination. Oh, please talk more about that. I love that. Yeah. So what we're doing when we're anxious is we are fearing the future. Whereas depression is often in the past, it's, it's being sad about things from the past. Anxiety is all about fear of the future or projecting something that's going to happen in the future. So that is actually our imagination doing that. Mm. And so if we are very, I don't want to say good at being anxious, but we must have, <laughs> we have to have a good imagination to be able to be, to be anxious. Yes. And so that means that that person is also going to be very good at guided visualization, guided imagery and meditation because they've got a good imagination. So finding a positive outlet for your imagination means that you can spend more time using it in the positive way, less time being anxious. And I, another thing that I love saying to people with anxiety, and I have to remind myself sometimes, is do more and think less. So I don't mean I don't mean do more by like make yourself really, really busy, Mm. but just do actions that are going to make you think less. Yes, that is so interesting because, yeah, that's right. You know, you're able to project yourself into some future situation that's usually really crystal clear in your mind, like this, you know, this this event that's happening in the future. And it's just made me think my husband, Tom, I was speaking to him about this and I said, Tom, like, have you actually ever felt anxiety and he looked at me and like shook his head as if to say no. I said, and he said, well, yeah, I get a bit anxious before public speaking. But I'm like, no, no, I'm not talking about I'm talking about something that actually cripples you. And he said, no. And, and now that you say that, that makes sense because he can't see things like I can in terms of like projecting himself or visualizing things. He even when we bought this house, I was like, can you imagine this will go here? But he's like, I, I, I can't see it. I, I cannot see it. <laughs> so that's yeah. really interesting. Wow. But we also we also feel it, don't we? So we yeah. we don't just see it, but we can feel it in our body. Like yes. that's that's how good the imagination is. It tricks your body into actually being there. Wow. Okay. Um. So, shall we just chat a bit about the courses that you have on offer? And I know you've got something this Friday, and then you've got something on Saturday as well. Is it? Is that right? Yeah, well, the the sort of main um, thing that I'm focusing on on at the moment is a six week group program, which I'm starting on Saturday, the 13th. So this Saturday, and I'm co-hosting that with another lady who is a doula and a hypnobirth instructor. She's also a I think she's a pregnancy and postpartum coach as well. So she's got a lot of training um, and she is kind of covering some of the physical stuff that I'm less familiar with so because she's a trained doula as well she's very knowledgeable about newborn behavior and bonding with your baby and that sort of thing so she's covering that sort of stuff in the course and then I'm covering emotional preparation postnatal mental health relationships how you know how our relationships are going to change Um, and so we're really excited about it it's as I say it's a six-week group program so it's for pregnant women it starts on Saturday we do have a special little bonus for for listeners of this podcast so if anyone is interested in the course then if you go to only human therapy on Instagram that's probably the the best way to contact me or you can go to my website which is www.onlyhumantherapy.com and on there you can find the preparing for motherhood course but if you use the code pop that just in capitals then you will get 47 pounds off the course for being one of poppy's lovely listeners 
Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, the, basically that course, you know, I'm, we're so excited about it because it's covering everything from like matrescence through to newborn behaviour, postnatal planning. Yeah, and, and then the last sessions, we're going to get get the dads or the partners in to do the relationships bit of it. And then the final session will be a circle to kind of condense it all. Because we believe very strongly, like myself and Manisha, who I'm running it with, that prevention is better than cure. Yeah. So that's one of the main reasons we're, we want to focus on mums now before they've had their babies, because there's so much that we wish we'd known um, before we had our babies. And there's so much that you can be doing now that's going to help you in that fourth trimester. And knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Absolutely. I'm so glad you're doing this work. There, there needs to be more of this out there, more awareness. But like you say, you know, it's hard to imagine yourself in a situation where you might need this because you're not in it yet. And <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. But- yeah. But even you know, it's it's going to massively help those that that don't get unwell. And it is, yes. like you say, it's it's hard to convince people that it's worth, you know, that it's worth considering when you feel fine during pregnancy, you feel yeah. excited. Um, but it's you know, it's just, I suppose, if you only focused on your labour or your birth, then you know, I would be concerned personally if you didn't kind of think about or prepare for that postnatal period at all yes is it equally if not more important and I don't mean to disregard the birth in any way because that's a huge transformational process and of course it's a very very big part of it but it mm. in the time scale terms it's a short it's a short period of time and the whole of the bit that comes after that quite often we don't know what <laughs> we don't know what to expect and we might have all of these things that we bought and read loads of stuff, but actually that does that prepare you for, for the reality of what's about to happen? Absolutely. And there's nothing to lose really in preparing. No. And mm. potentially a lot to gain. <laughs> exactly. I, I wish I, I would definitely, if I was pregnant, I I would I would join. <laughs> but <Thank> I'm you. <laughs> not. <laughs> All right, then. Oh, this has been so nice. Thank you so much. Honestly, it means a lot. And I'm sure so many people are going to benefit from this from years to come, because this is the power of online. You do it, do it once and it, you know, get list, gets listened to around the world by many people and touches many people. So you've done something amazing tonight. And so have you. Thank you for like for facilitating this, because it's really nice to meet other mums that are also passionate about this and recognise how important it is. I hope you enjoyed that guys so many good pieces of advice so as always connect with me on instagram i would love to hear from you let us know what you thought of today's episode and dm me at pop that mama of course head over to only human therapy to hear more about her courses uh, sarah is an amazing woman and go and follow her Instagram page. She's got lots of inspiring content on there too. And I'm sure we're going to be hearing more of her. So watch this space. All right, guys, have a lovely day, evening or morning, whatever time it is for you. Bye bye.